even even like sports people are like this too though like they get it gets to a point where like these baseball commentators are talking about like GLBD percentage oh percentages that no one would ever have ever thought of in common sense there's only one innovative percentage that makes any sense to me which is on base percentage that's a great that's isn't that the only stat that's really worth anything because that's hits plus walks plus hit by a pitch right I mean that's that's the stat and then everything else like if you just get hitting that doesn't take into account that the guy is really good at getting walks right or jamming the pitcher so that he gets hit by a pitch right it doesn't take any of that stuff into account um but everything else after that they got ridiculous stats they're their total majdubs and they're trying to just sort of I guess justify their job they ha- they give statistics like He's the first person to hit a single uh, uh, th- in three road games in a row while it's raining, right? <laughs> Ridiculous stats just, like, to keep their job or something. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. And welcome to the Sufina Society Nothing But Facts live stream, in which today... The snake oil salesman should be very happy. He initiated a righteous sunnah. Right. Man sanna fil islami sunnatan hasanatan. Figure it out. Not the heck. You were. Whoever establishes a good sunnah. And our uh, snake oil salesman himself has come up with a good sunnah. Today, my brothers and sisters, you get to meet the founders of Mawadda, matrimonial service. And guess what? In only a few weeks, in the month of January, which is only October, November, December, three months away, I myself will be conducting the very first Mawadda arranged marriage between a sister who's from here and a brother who is from California who's doing his, who happened to move for his job to Long Island. Long Island is maybe one hour from us. And he heard about Moedda's activities. He came and he saw the sister and they started talking. Parents started meeting each other, blah, blah, blah. And they got married. So Moedda in, I think, the first year has, alhamdulillah, a marriage. I mean, one marriage in a year, in your first year, that's great because they're only reaching a certain amount of people. But now, with all the MBF folks on this, they're going to be reaching a lot more people. And already, by the way, oh, I didn't tell you, Roy, um, people already are applying. Like, they already got applications. They got applications from a lot of different places too, like from, uh, from America, from England, right? So... If we see any uh, people walking around uh, with a British accent in the masjid, yeah, we'll know what you're here for. Okay, today, before we get to that, because Hassan's not here yet. Before we get to that, we are going to cover, inshallah ta'ala, okay. Um, all right, we are going to cover today another major figure in Islamic history, Tariq ibn Ziyad. Because I realized that we talked yesterday, or last week, last two weeks, about Yusuf ibn Tashafin. The Easterners call him Tashfin. 
The Westerners call him Teshafin, whatever you want to call it. I like Teshafin, right? Teshafin sounds a bit weird to me. But Yusuf ibn Teshafin saved, is the first person who really saved by the permission of Allah, Islam, in Al-Andalus. But we never talked about who brought Islam to the Andalus in the first place. Huh? So if you're gone already, mashallah, excellent. So this person is Tariq ibn Ziyad. And there are four characters in this movie. Well, five. There are five characters in this movie. Okay? The first character is Musa, Musa ibn Nusayr. Musa ibn Nusayr is a tabi'i, if I'm not mistaken, or a tabi'i, tabi'i. I'm pretty sure he's a tabi'i. He's the governor of Ifriqiya in the name of the Umayyads. He's ruling for the Umayyads. Okay? He's the governor of Ifriqiya. Ifriqiya is not Africa as we would understand it as like sub-Saharan Africa, but rather the Arab term for Ifriqiya referred to Tunisia and all the lands around it. So Tunisia, and if you look in the Roman history, it's Carthage, right? Carthage is the center of, Af- of North Africa at that time. It's not Egypt, it's not Carthage. Of course, Egypt is massive, right? But Alexandria is the, the main city of Egypt. When people say Egypt, they mean Alexandria. There's no mention of Cairo. There's no Cairo yet at this point. Uh, Tunis, Al-Qairawan, is the main uh, piece in North Africa. So, Musa ibn Nusayr is the first name that you need to know. He's the one who took the Umayyad armies into North Africa and they swept across. Now, there was a stronghold in Sayuta. What is Sayuta? Sayuta is at the tip there of, uh, of Spain. So, they stopped there because there was a strong Roman outpost there and they didn't, they didn't bother to pass this, the, the, the Mediterranean Sea and go up into Spain. They just stopped there. Okay. What years are we talking about? The 700s. Talking about the 700s here. Now, what else happens? Everything is fine. The, the, the Roman Visigothic people who are a mixture, they're, they're pagan, the rulers are pagan and the minority is Christian at that point in Spain. They're, they're doing their thing and the Muslims are doing their thing in, uh, in Morocco, from Morocco down over. Until character number two gets involved. Who is that character? Roderick is the new king of Spain. The previous king dies and Roderick takes over. And some people say that this was a takeover that they did, an intentional takeover, and then the king died in the process. So it was not like a nice, crisp, clean transition. It was a nasty transition. But Roderick is now the king of Spain. All right. Still no big deal. Nothing's changing in the status quo. Until, you see, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a will for something, he builds it up. It gets so built up that the stage is set perfectly. So the, the Roderick, when he takes over from the previous king, it's not a, a, a crisp takeover. There's a lot of resentment. And this is the year 711. The, the year of there, all this takes place is the year 711. 
these three things take place. The first thing is Roderick takes over as king of Spain in a takeover that is not clean. There's a lot of resentment towards him. Did you do it? Okay. What's the second incident? Down in Ceuta, this Roman outpost that is blocking the Muslims from coming in. Who rules that? A man by the name of King Julian. They're all kings. They have a little kingdom, basically, right? King Julian, he has a daughter named Florinda. And being all Visigothic people, he sends Florinda up north to study in the court of King Roderick. Now, Florinda, this is a movie. You got to make a movie out of this. Florinda, apparently, is some young, beautiful lady a young woman, and she starts studying with Roderick's uh, tutors, and she's in the court, and she's eating with them, and people take notice, and she apparently takes everyone's notice, because apparently she's a very beautiful woman, young lady. Roderick himself starts to invite him, her over, and start eating with her, and eating with, uh, his ta- at his table. And then one evening... Everyone starts going away, and he says, oh, I want to ask you something, you and your tutor. So he brings her and her tutor, okay? And they sit there talking. So now who's there? Only Roderick, the tutor, and Florinda. And then what does Roderick do? He says to the tutor, okay, thank you. I need to ask her some private questions about her father's kingdom. So now who's alone in the room? Roderick and Florinda. Then what does he do? He rapes her. Florinda flees back down the next morning. She's gone. And she flees right back to her father, to Julian. And Julian is enraged. He loses his mind. And what does he do? Now, these are pagans. They have no, in other words, these are, they're not, uh, they don't have, there's no rivalry yet in terms of beliefs between the Visigothic people and the Muslims. They're just pagans. So what does he do? What does Julian do? Julian goes down, sends an emissary down south to Tariq ibn Ziyad, character number four, and the main character, the hero. Tariq ibn Ziyad is a Berber. And he's, he's working under Musa ibn Nusayr. He's basically the assistant. He's Musa ibn Nusayr's assistant. And he gets this message from Tariq ibn Ziyad. What's Hassan? Ahlan wa sahlan. Tafadl. You got a seat for you here. And then uh, Hannah's got a seat here. We got Jannah, so Hannah's not alone. Uh, if you could turn on the mics. Ooh, look, a baby. MashaAllah. It's not working. Okay. Um, we can, inshallah, take a seat here. We got a seat for you here. We got Jannah here to keep you company. Salam wa And Hassan, come over here. All right, the Mawadda folks are here, folk people. You know, they're all pumped about this. Look at the comments, waiting for you guys. Hamza Hussein says, I'm ready to marry me off right now. Okay? All right, so he's so angry at Roderick that he wants to use Tariq ibn Ziyad to overthrow Roderick. And he basically tells him, I'm going to let you through. I'm going to let you in to Spain you just topple Roderick I don't care whatever happens you want to bring your religion I don't care you see how when Allah wants something to happen it's going to happen right 
And so Tariq ibn Ziyad is basically invited into the land. And when he passes that straight, Ryan's going to put the picture up. When he passes that little straight right there, okay, you see that little straight? Actually, Ryan, could we expand it? Because the straight is what matters. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. So you see that straight right there? That straight, when they bring their ships, it leads to a mountain. And that mountain is what ends up being called uh, the mountain of Tariq, Jabal Tariq, because that's where his people landed. And from there, the strait is called the Strait of Jabal Tariq. And that's where we get the phrase, the Strait of Gibraltar. It became mixed up into, it, uh, into the phrase Gibraltar. Uh, so you see here that when Allah wants something to happen, it's going to happen. So the first king dies, all in the same year. The first king dies, the second king comes in, Roderick. And now why is that why is that important? Because the transition isn't perfect. And when the transition isn't perfect, the soldiers are not very loyal to Roderick. They're still loyal to the old king. And then Roderick rapes Florinda, who is the daughter of the king of the tip of the peninsula, the Iberian Peninsula. Florinda is the daughter of Julian. Julian then is so enraged with Roderick that he's going to turn to these Arabs, well, they're Berbers, and to them it's all the same. He's an Algerian Berber from Tlemcen. And he says, come in and conquer this guy. And I want, no matter what you do, I want him dead. So Tariq ibn Ziyad, he gets permission from Musa ibn Nusayr, his, his master, his chief basically, his general, Musa ibn Nusayr says, take 7,000 and go, because that's all he could take. That's the max they had. He goes in there. He goes up, and, and he realizes that Roderick's got a far bigger army. Like, w- w- so much more. Way more people Roderick has. Okay? And, oops, that's okay. Have it done there. They got way more people. So what he does is he, it's some people say it's a legend. Some people say it's true. Some people say it's false. But you know what I say? It's true. Why do I say it's true? Because it's a great story. We, we literally don't have a story without this. And the story goes that Tariq ibn Ziyad looks and, and does a scouting report. And he realizes how massive the country is that they're about. You know, they don't have maps in the old days. You don't know where you're going. He was like, this country's massive. Like the ocean border is massive. And then he has scouts go look at their army. Come back. This army is, it's not double, it's not triple, it's not quadruple. It's like five times, it's more than five to ten times the size of our army. So Tariq ibn Ziyad, he just makes a judgment call. And he realizes, you're not winning this by strategy. You're not winning this by numbers. You're not winning this by anything. You're only winning this by a power of faith. And these people were not, these people were geniuses. Sometimes we think that persuasion and marketing was just like from us, right? Like the, the new generation knows it. No. He realized that the only way to capture these people is by a stirring speech and a, 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 a domineering visual. So what he does is in the quiet morning, he has all the people line all the ships next to him, empty them out, all the resources they have on the ships. Then he stands up when the sun rises up. Okay. 
And some people said he did it when the sun was rising first thing in the morning so that there's no chance of anything else. And some people say this is the beautiful thing, that he did it around Maghrib, okay, the night before. And he went in and uh, he gave this speech after Salat al-Maghrib. And as the sun is setting, okay, and the sky is turning purple, that's when he lit up the boats. And he set fire to all the ships. So they saw this red fire on a dark purple sunset. Like a captivating image. Like how does no one, how has nobody made a movie about this yet? It's a it's a captivating image that he had. And he put the and the people saw this and they heard his speech and they were just inflamed. They were on fire. And the Tariq went up there and his people had such a momentum and belief in their hearts. And Tariq ibn Ziyad said, I do not call you to something that I myself will not do. So he announced, I'll be fighting in the front of the army. Like usually the king stands in the back. But he wasn't a king. He was, he was a mawla. A mawla, like a, just a lower level soldier. Assistant, I mean, right? And then he came up in the ranks. So he knows what it is, what's, what it's like to be at the ground level. When you see your leaders out there in, out there in front, it's an amazing uh, uh, motivator. When you see your kings all the way in the back, you're like, wait a second, I'm fighting so that he's going to take the spoils of war, he's going to take everything, I'm fighting for him. You can only do that when you're as powerful as the Roman army, right? When you're so massive that it's not uh, even right for the king to be killed. Sayyidina Adi said this, he said, Omar, you no longer go out to fight, you stay home, right? Because if you go down, the whole empire goes down with it. So Sayyidina Adi said that, so there is a justification for that. But he wasn't that, he was just a soldier like them that was given this assignment. So he goes out there, and they have this famous battle. They face Roderick, okay, and the famous battle at Guadalete. Now, anytime in the Spanish language that you see Guad, like Guadalupe, Guadalcavir, all these Guads, it derives from the Arabic Wadi. The word Wadi is a valley. So anytime there's a dip or a valley in the... Uh, in the um, in the geography, the Spanish will call it Guade whatever, Guadalcavir or Guadalupe, right? Or anytime that there's, so Guadalupe is Wadi al-Ubba, the, the valley of the dome. Wadi al-Qubba in Arabic. So the, some of the Arabic remained. So Guadalete, what is called now Guadalete, and is now called Sidonia. The area in Spain is called Sidonia. That's where they met. And the method which... Tariq ibn Ziyad used is to divide his troop up into four. Right? Divide the troop up into four, then give them, each one of them, each general, he was a general of one, and he put three other generals in charge of four different companies, four different groups. And he told each of them, derive your own strategy. Right? Derive your own strategy. And like you, you go on the east side, but derive your own strategy. I'm going to take the south, I got my own strategy. Left, uh, west side, and north side. So that he divided them up, but there's no unified strategy. So that means that the, uh, the, the, the Visigothic army has to come up with four different strategies. Right? They got to come up with, they got to fight four different heads. And that means like, so how's that guy going to do that? By the time you do that, the fight's half over. By the time you think. So when you have a small army, you have to outsmart your people. Right? And... 
sometimes as there's a saying that says, um, he may be the more powerful one, but you be the better actor. So sometimes you have to act like you've, and, and, and he did this a lot of times, Khalid bin Walid, he put on shows. Like literally it's acting. When you fight, you have to act sometimes. Like how did he do this? He would tell the people, uh, said Sayyidina Omar, send more uniforms, uh, like shields, helmets. I don't want men. I just want shields and helmets, right? And then he would have people sit there polishing them. And then he would tell half the army, in the middle of the battle, I want you to go off and just change your uniform. So you come up with this shiny helmet. Now you run back into battle. It looks like a new group has come in. And they're like, oh, man, new fresh legs, like fresh reinforcements. So it demoralizes the other group. It also changes the psyche. When you're this bloody uniform, you feel like, oh, this is a long battle, blah, blah, blah. But when you change and you look crisp and you got, it, it, it reinvigorates. Another thing that Khalid bin Walid did, the night before the battle, he had every single soldier go across and light a little fire. So that from the far away, it looks like the army is so massive that there's all these fires. The encampment is so huge. And, he said, and then he would have them make noise. Like make a lot of noise to sound like you are a, la- a huge group. It's Hollywood. He even enlisted, this is how smart he was, he was resourceful. When you're not powerful, you have to be resourceful. He enlisted the women and kids. And he said, as we march, spread around and kick up dust. Like cover your faces and kick up dust. So that we may be this many people. But the dust that we're kicking up is this much. So people would think that that were this much. So all this acting you had to do. And this is what he, what he did was break everything up, force them to come up with four different, three different strategies. And by them and the generals not coming up with one strategy, it allowed each general to really feel that he had ownership over this. Because if, if I'm telling you, for example, that... We're, we're going in there and we're going to give up our lives. But I give you no say in it, right? You have no say. How is that fair? So he gave those generals, uh, he get, you, you come up with your own strategy, right? So subhanAllah, it's amazing. So they went in, they routed them, and they killed Roderick. They killed Roderick. And after Roderick was killed, it was basically game over for the Visigoths. Now it's just a matter of conquering the different cities that they had. And then Musa ibn Nusayr came back, and he came back with 12,000 soldiers, and it was just a matter of, like, mopping up at that point. Like, because they had no central... They had defeated the central army of the Visigoths. The Visigoths had no king. They were trying to regroup, but by the time Musa ibn Nusayr came... Remember, things happened slowly in the olden days. Um, By the time Musa ibn Nusayr came there was no real way for them to regroup and stop this wave of the Muslims coming up. And then, interestingly, there are human elements to this. People aren't static. People aren't, like, humans are humans. So the first thing is that Musa ibn Nusayr got worried. When you send, it's just like, subhanAllah, Salah al-Din and Nur al-Din. Nur al-Din is the king. He sends Salah al-Din, Salah al-Din is just part of the army to go, clean up some business in Egypt, it ends, Salah al-Din ends up being the ruler of Egypt, right? Well, Tariq ibn Ziyad is basically like the servant. He's like the assistant to Musa ibn Nusayr. And he ends up conquering this gorgeous country because the climate there was 
was much better. It was a nicer climate than it was less desert desert. So he's like wrote him a strict letter reminding him of who he is, right? And this is not uncommon. Khalid bin Walid himself, these are Sahaba now, had immense conquer, conquests. Sayyidina Umar wrote him a strict letter, removed him from his post. Because when the general, when the assistant makes massive strides, there's always a threat of shaitan getting in his head and saying basically now, wait a second, break away. Do your own thing. So Sayyidina Umar, he, he disciplined, we can say. He put discipline on it and he closed the door of shaitan by removing Khalid bin Walid from the army. After you conquered this massive conquest, right, pull him back. The central authority has to be strong. Likewise, Musa ibn Nusayr writes Tariq ibn Ziyad a very strict letter. Remember your place. But this remember your place and discipline and close that door of shaitan, it goes back up. The Umayyad Khalifa himself, the Umayyad Khalifa himself recalls both of them. Both of them. You're done. Come back to Damascus. So Tariq ibn Ziyad and Musa ibn Nusayr get called back in Damascus. They get told, you're on a salary now. Just live, get fat, and do nothing in Damascus. Right? Because basically they didn't want breakaways. We'll send our guy in here. In the, in the CIA and the FBI, they say, thank you so much for everything. We'll take it from here. Right? That's what they say. And that means basically you're out of this picture because we don't want you getting too much power. There is an aspect of that that's true. For your soul... It could, you can get drunk on power, okay? You can get drunk on power. So that's the that's the the important uh, piece of history of how Tariq ibn Ziyad and how the Muslims got into Espania, and then they ruled there. The Umayyads ruled there um, for about four hundred years. Uh, then things collapsed, and then uh, the Murabitun came in, and they cleaned it all up. And unified it. Okay. All right. We are finished with segment number one of our live stream. Segment number one is over. You all hear that there's a baby here. Before we get to that, Rai, let's post up about today's classes on arcview.org. You got to be part of Arcview because people are learning so much from Arcview. Okay. Today we got two classes. One is Fiqh and one is Tasawwuf, both part of. Uh, Arcview Basic, okay, and our first class, which is going to be basically, well, this is the, this is the second class. The picture that we're about to put up is the second class is Tasawwuf, the essence of Tasawwuf, which is at seven p.m. in which we read from the textbook of Al Habib Omar. Here's the book, okay, and who better to learn this subject from than someone who's not only it's not a theory. He, his real book is his students. That's the sign of a real sheikh, is his real book is his students, and this is the book. It's a short book. This is the English and the Arabic, in which he covers the fundamental fundamentals of this path taken from the Salaf themselves, okay? Taken from the, the, the early Muslims themselves and what the, 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 they considered to be uh, tasawwuf, relying upon verses and hadiths of the book and the sunnah. So you sign up at arcview.org. If you can't take fiqh live, well, you get the recordings. 
and then watch and listen to the recordings over and over and over and over and over. So go to arcview.org, you sign up, you're going to get over 40 pre-recorded courses. And all the classes are recorded. So you can follow a curriculum at your own pace. That's the whole idea. All right? And anyone out there who is a Hanbali, I think we may be the first and only institution that offers all four methods in the United States and England this semester. Mondays for Hanafites. Tuesdays for Madikis. Thursday, uh, Wednesday for Shafi's. And today, Thursday, Al-Hanabila. Out of England, the class is at 6 o'clock. Okay? Go to myarcview.org, and if you are a Hanbali, spread this out. If you want to become a Hanbali, well, why not? We need Hanabila, okay, out there. And this, this class has about maybe 10 students in it, all right? So if you're able to take these classes, do it. $10 a month, you get all these classes, which is essentially free. It's like a free community service. It's just 10 bucks a month. All right, so we, that is segment numero dos. We are finally getting to the segment you've all been waiting for. All right, so hold, pull up the mic and right turn on the mics, please. Now, the mic has to be literally less than two fingers away from you in order to, to hear, okay? And Hassan's got his mic on, so we got three mics on, and Ryan, all the mics are on, I guess, Ryan, right? All the mics are on. And we got... Let's go to the live. Let's because I'm gonna. I want to see people's comments. This whole thing was initiated by Abu Snake Juice. That's his name, all right? Uh, is a brother. His name is Abu Snake Juice. Okay. Why can't I see the comments on this bad boy? I need to see the comments. We're all about comment section here. Hey, Ryan, I'm gonna need you to read me the Instagram comments. Or anyone got Instagram up? Is your Instagram up? Anyone? Okay, good. Where are the comments? Why can't I see the comments here? They're there. Yeah, but on my iPad, get it so I can see the comments, please. I got my resident hacker on my left and our two guests, and we have a baby. All right. By the way, you got applications, right? Say yes. Applications. Yeah, new applications. There's a lot of people told me that they applied. Sunny 700, is ArcView accessible from the UK? Yes, definitely is. There's applications, right? A couple applications already came in. Yeah. And they will be matching them up. And the purpose here is for Hannah and Hassan to talk. You guys ask the questions that you want to ask about this. Now, we're going to go on one mic, unless, Rai, you want to turn so Hassan could be shown here. His voice is good. Okay, well, just to show them, he has a big beard. There's no funny business here, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, who wants to go first? Why don't you go first? Whose idea was this, by the way? And they both pointed at each other. Look at this. Such mawad to go on here on here, mashallah. All right, Hannah, you go first. Salam. Um, Oh, 
What happened? Is the mic I not on? I think the mic's not plugged in. Oh. It's not plugged in? Can can they hear me? Yeah, you're good. Okay, so why don't you you can sit next to him if you want. Yeah, sorry to make you move. Here, you want me to take her? I'll take her. Okay, you're going to be on. She's on camera. Look at what the Moedda has gotten us already. You are such a little globjamin. You little kaka. No, I would not make her cry. No, no, don't worry. Everything's good. <laughs> what you, why are you crying for? There you go. She doesn't like new scary men. Yes, unfortunately. We're going to. We trained her well. Oh, that's good. She, she's like. You're not my mahram. Get away from me. <laughs> All right. Traveling Light says, what's going on? I missed this. All right. You missed it. We are explaining to you the new matrimonial service which we are partnering with called Mawadda from the local, our masjid, our headquarters. And Hannah will now um, explain to, explain it. Oh, so, I mean, NBIC already had um, an initiative from before, mm-hmm. um, but it was only like once a year. So there used to be um, a singles iftar during Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Um, but while, uh, I guess, for my own personal reasons, I just wanted, you know, a lot of my friends to get married. Um, we always heard how difficult it was, especially for those that are outside of school or after college to um, meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in like an uh, organic halal manner. So we just thought, you know, the apps are great. There's a lot of successful marriages that happen through mm-hmm. those as well. But we thought, why not have something that's a bit more grassroots where people can meet face to face? And NBIC was a great um, community where we thought it would um, do well. So that's why we decided to have more events in person um, throughout the year. Okay. So now, the you two. This is the second operation in which you're connecting people, right? Because if we all remember, you guys won the Holt Prize, a million dollars for a business idea that they had and a business contest that they entered into, which is run by Bill Clinton, right? Bill Clinton runs this operation, or maybe he doesn't run it, but he's part of it. He presents the award. And it's for new business ideas. And this business idea was basically to get people to work in Pakistan where through rickshaws, right? Is that what it's called? So, uh, initially, yeah, in, initially it was that, and then it kind of shifted to um, more like a carpool. Okay, but the theme was to expand where uh, workers can travel to for work yeah. so that they can get more opportunities for work yeah. and consistently get to work. Yeah. That's connecting people. You see a theme in your lives here? So that was the first thing, and you guys won a big award for that. Well, now you're, you're also connecting people, isn't it? Yeah. Right? And by having this massive online pool now of people uh, um, being able to apply online, you have a bigger pool of people who can connect. All right, so what Hannah says is that they have these programs. Now, elaborate for us on the nature of, for the onliners, the nature of how the process works because and 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 eliminate for us what it what it's not and why you eliminated certain ideas and why you chose certain ideas 
to give an example, like you, you don't scroll through mm-hmm. pictures like Tinder on this no. thing. Okay, so explain to us why you eliminated some ideas and why you kept some ideas. Um, I guess because it's just like Hassan and I running it, so we don't have like a whole, you know, team or. So you want to make it simple as possible. Yeah, I guess it's simple, yeah. something that we can um, manage on our own. Um, but I guess the way Moada runs is it's twofold. So we have um, anyone that wants to register for Moada, you have to submit your own profile. So mm-hmm. there's a Google Forms, um, and you let us know a little bit about yourself, your spirituality, um, about you know, your, maybe a little bit about your career and what you do and your interests, hobbies. And then you also have a separate part of the form that um, asks what you're interested in or, like, your potential spouse that you would be interested in, what that person would look like, who they would be, um, what you would ideally like their, um, you know, interests, hobbies, spirituality to look like as well. Um, so once you submit that form, we do try our best to connect people on the back end via um, email. So... If we're looking through the database, and primarily it's myself, I feel like Hassan doesn't really look at it. Um, uh, but, you know, I guess also for privacy reasons, I feel like it's um, better for women, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially since a lot of sisters are submitting profiles as well as men. But um, I myself look through it, and we try to connect people that we think would have, um, you know, whether, whether it's based off of their interests or their spirituality or their career goals, et cetera, we do try to connect them via email. So we'll just be like, hey, if you're interested, um, we have a potential match for you. If they agree, then we connect them via email and then they take it from there. Like, we don't okay. care about part two, I guess. Yeah, part um, two you can't do. You can't manage all these people's Yeah, I guess it's a little bit too much. And then the second part of Moada is the in-person events that we have. So that we try to do, um, whether it's every month, every other month, as much, uh, whatever, I guess, we can manage. Um, and those, usually, there's some type of activity so that people can kind of, you know, in a less awkward way, get to know one another. We sure. do also have, like, the straight-up, sp- like, speed networking, you could say. Because mm-hmm. um, some people do like that. So we try to mix up the events. We try to have different um, activities and different styles of events because we know people like different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way people can meet one another. We encourage them to kind of exchange information in person. If they don't feel comfortable, then we will connect them via email after the event. Um, but I feel like the events are a lot more easier for us because it's hard for us to know exactly what you're looking for because it's not just your career goals. It's not just your spirituality. It's Mm -hmm. not just what the person looks like. Um, There's a lot of other things that people are looking for, so it's honestly best if you just come out to the events that we host, which we are having one on October 15th um, at MCGP, which is in Princeton. Alhamdulillah, Mm. both the male and female registration spots are open. I mean, sorry, full. How many of each? So 30 of each. 30 um, of each. mm -hmm. But we, I think we're going to open it up, inshallah, to more. So around 9 p.m., we were thinking about opening up the link so that we can have maybe 10 or 15 more brothers and sisters from both sides to register because there was a lot of demand. And then we did receive a lot of um, interest in having... um, age ranges that are uh, a little uh, more age ranges, I guess, are, are different in age ranges. So inshallah, we're thinking about opening up and um, having more events that have different age ranges inshallah in like November and December. Okay, good. We already have someone. Who do we contact? How do we do this? Go to mbic.org backslash. My web Ryan's going to put it right now uh, in the... Uh, they put it in right now on the in the chat. Now, 
let me ask you what makes give me an example of a bad application like an application that you can't work with um what does it say? i guess so the way that the google forms is and of course we need um we would we're open to suggestions we're open to everyone's feedback this is literally just you know us doing it and managing it as best as we think we can um with our time mm-hmm. um but we left the google forms pretty open-ended because we didn't want to be a to have you know 50, 60 questions there mm-hmm. and for it to take forever for people to fo- uh, fill out. And then also we left to open in so that people can just add as much as they want to. Good. Um, I guess for us, the best form would or the best registration would look like someone who actually put time into filling out the form. Um, you know, usually we see registrations that are like, hi, I'm this male, I'm X years old and I like basketball. Yeah, it's not That's enough. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing there. Like a thousand other people have the same thing. Exactly. So right? I think if people take some time to fill out the form and add as much as they can, that would help us in best connecting them to people that we think um, would be a good match. Okay, very good. So it's to be as detailed as possible in your in your form. And someone here, uh, M, says, pro tip for the singletons, be open and honest in your profile. This is not mm-hmm. a time to be shy or hold back. All right, so uh, people should not fluff up your application because if you do, you're really misleading people, right? You're misleading. Just say, put your politics down, put your religious preference down, put your family's politics down because that has an impact too. Like what if you're, you know, people don't want to or don't want to be associated with that type of thing. So you got to put as much information as possible. Let's take a look at what some people are saying. Uh, Glob Jamin, you just got a gift from Mohammed Saud. She gave you a gift. <laughs> Look, little in the green there. Gift for Glob Jamin. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Snake Juice says, you can just have identifiers that automatically match persons of interest, or you have a bigger pool, and then those ha- have similarities. It condenses to a smaller pool. Then you can give them access to choose the other continue matching for them. The latter sounds more difficult because if you get a lot of applications, then you're going to need some IT, right? Yeah. To sort we of actually like, were, oh, you have that um, stuff? Trying, we're in the process, inshallah, of um, working with a brother in the community who wanted to offer his um, skills to help us kind of make um, a proper database, I guess, yeah. that will help us filter it um, automatically. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to, like, I guess shift it from Google Forms to something that will help automate it and make our okay, lives a little easier. At least it automates like the interests and then whatever has like a 70% automate, uh, that's, that's what you look at. So you don't have to look at every single one. Uh, Plague's Pigeon says, okay, should not just help out our... Oh, sorry, this was... I thought Plague Pigeon was an app because <laughs> it sounds like one of those apps, right? I thought he was talking about an app. All right, but... Um, so there was Islamic Society of Connecticut. Islamic Center of Connecticut um, looks like a simple application, but just sharing that if you want to look at another application, it's there. All right, let's now turn to Hassan asking you another question. Tell us about your success, the success story of Moedda. Do you have any success stories? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen. Salatu wassalamu. Ala al-ashrafil anbiya'i wal-mursaleen. 
سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا وقضاة عيوننا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. Success story from Rwanda. The, yeah. the one that we heard from most recently, Sammy told us that there were two people who attended uh, one of the events we hosted in Ramadan, and they're inshallah getting married in January. That's great. And they heard of each other exclusively through this program. Yeah. And by the way, I talked to Sheikh Rami about this program. Like I talked to him about your concerns, like on the onsite. Now the onliners don't need to worry about the onsite because they're not on. They're from not here, so I don't want to yeah. go too much into that. But I talked to him. He said people really like this uh, situation in the in the community now is like dire in the subject. Mm-hmm. So he said he he praised the, the the work, and he said you know if people are saying something about like um, the nature of the environment, having men and women there. But he said, as long as there's an Islamic uh, ethos around it, a Muslim environment, everyone's on that behavior, yeah. he said, then that's really what matters. And Sheikh al-Bulti said that too about other things. Like Sheikh al-Bulti re- released a fatwa on making movies. Hmm. Let alone, some. that's like, like making, he said that making movies is now part of life. And if a Muslims, Muslims make a movie, then they're acting even. Then, as long as the environment, the directors are Muslim, and every the, everyone is observing an Islamic etiquette, okay. Sheikh Bulti said that about making a film. Right, this is far more important than making a movie. Right, this is completing half of people's deen. So, um, another comment here is saying, like one sister said, that she would want a third person on the email. So, can she request that in her application? That if you ever match me up. Then I want you. I don't want a guy emailing me myself. I want, like, let's say my dad on the email. Okay. So right. you you so could put that in the comment or something, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. right now, uh, the third the third person on the email is the Mawadda team. So we're we're on every email exchange that you have. Okay. But once you decide to take it forward, let's say we email an application of two people to each other. Uh, we email the application of the sister to the brother and the brother to the sister. They both mm-hmm. say yes. Now we've connected them via email. Mm-hmm. Now, if they want to take it forward, they choose the how to take how it to forward. operate. Okay, good. Right, the, the sister may say, I want my dad to be involved. The brother may say, I want my mom to be involved, so on and so forth. Good. Now, here's a question I'm sure a lot of people are asking, but they're not want to ask it to be embarrassed, but I'm going to ask it for them. What, at what point, and do you at all, include a picture in the profile? We do. You do. Okay, so if the when you send the f- initial profile, you're sending a photo and the bio data so of the person. You, when you fill out the form, the Mawadda application, yeah. you are uploading pictures of yourself. So you're choosing what's going to be shared with others, but yeah. it's only shared contingent upon someone agreeing that they want to pursue a conversation with you. Okay. So not everyone can see your pictures. Um, and before we send out emails... Even if you've uploaded pictures, a lot of times we will ask you if you want to edit or update those pictures. Yeah. Right? If you don't feel comfortable sharing a certain thing. Because time can. may have passed, right? Yeah, time yeah. may have passed or you may have changed, right? You, Let's say, for example, a sister is not, does not, didn't wear hijab before and now she does. Obviously, she's going to change her pictures. Yeah. Same thing with niqab. So you're going to do what you got to do. I actually have never dealt with the niqab issue yet. So yeah. I'm if, if she's not if, she's, if that's the only picture she has then there's no point you could uh, to send the picture at all but here's another question somebody says why do you not just share the google sheet of all the sisters with all the men and vice versa 
Right. I personally have an answer to this, but I want to hear your answer. My answer is... Okay, I'm going to go at it a different, a little bit different angle. When you go to certain restaurants and their menu is seven pages long, yeah. how confusing does that make it for you? And what does that say about the quality of the restaurant usually? Most of the time, if you have Just too throwing many everything options, at the wall. Yeah, if you have too many options, your brain gets confused. Yeah. Um, so even when we match, for example, when we match people, it's one at a time because... If you go up there and look at everyone who's on the database, you're going to start comparing people to each other, and that's not right either. Yeah. Uh, you need to take one application, one suitor at a time, take them for face value. Um, I actually remember something that you were telling me you know, before I had gotten married. You were explaining to me and some of the other brothers, um, specifically in regards to looks, for example, right? Uh, even if, you know, uh, like if, if their pictures were displayed or something of that nature... If someone is, uh, you know, you, you have like some sort of internal rating system in your head and you say, you know, you know this person's a seven and that person's an eight and whatever, um, it becomes very problematic for you, mm -hmm. right? Because beauty should not be something that you are being comparative uh, with others about. Beauty is something when you're specifically looking for marriage, mm -hmm. there's just one question that you need to ask yourself. Yeah. A male and a female both need to ask themselves, uh, are, is that person beautiful enough that I would like to procreate with them, yeah. right? Uh, to be, you know, frank about it. It's a yes or no. It's, it's a yeah. binary answer. You simplify it. It's not, no, that person's a seven, but that person's yeah, an exactly. eight, and they have X going for them, and they have Y going for them. Yep. It's not like that. You should be, you know, it's, it's for looks specifically, it's a yes or no answer. Mm -hmm. Then you look at everything else on a, on a scale, right? Their, their dean is on a scale, obviously. Um, and the last thing you should be doing is comparing people's profiles when they have their dean sort of listed out there. You shouldn't be comparing it to others. You should be comparing it to yourself, mm -hmm. really. That's because true. you have to deal with them on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. And if, you know, you say, well, this sister, mashallah, she wakes up for tahajjud, and that sister's application, she prays five times a day, but she doesn't really do tahajjud. You know, if you're praying three times a day, it doesn't really yeah, matter for you. <laughs> you got to look at yourself, right? And, and what you have to offer and what they have to offer individually. I, I also feel that this method, there's more care into it, right? Whereas if you're just letting people scroll by themselves, uh, it also, it's almost like, especially if the picture's there, it, it totally just becomes a place that anyone's just going to go in to look at people's faces, right? Uh, and also, it may encourage people to be way more shy. If your profile is public, they're going to be way more shy about saying the truth. Yeah. I also think it just becomes, like, overwhelming. Like, I've heard from friends and family who have used, like, online, um, like, applications, like, Muzzmatch and stuff, yeah. um, which I have no problem. Like, I mm -hmm. think they're great. I know so many people that have gotten married off of it, but... Um, it just becomes overwhelming at yeah, a point. You're much. just like scrolling constantly like left constantly and right. Scroll. It's pointless. Yeah. So I think um, in terms of that, it's a little overwhelming. So that's the one reason why we don't share them. And then also for privacy reasons, like um, especially for the sisters, like I think if you are writing, like in one of the sections of the form, we ask, you know, where you work because mm -hmm. that's an important um, thing, especially to know where, where our brother works, if yeah. it's like a good job or not. Um, so if, you know, we're putting up like the forms and it's like, oh, like, this person's anonymous, but they work here, and they look like, you know, like this is what they're interested in. It could be easy for you to, like, kind of figure out who it is, especially mm -hmm. if they're within your community. So, also for privacy reasons. Question here. Uh, Reed said, uh, his question, can you edit your app afterwards? 
Yeah, so you can. Okay, um, you can there's go back not and like edit, yeah. there's not really like a way on the Google Forms, but you can always email them with the team um, and be like, "Hey, I'd like to edit this, you know, this portion of my yeah. form, whether it be the picture or you know anything else." Um, and then we can update it on the back end. Okay, good. Or I guess you can. Uh, they could just fill in, um, you know, my name edited. They right. fill in a whole new application. Right. Yeah. 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 I didn't see the application. Is it really long? It's not that long. Um, I don't think it's... Uh, obviously, it takes a little bit of time, but it's not, like, really, um, really long. Okay, good. Next question here. What is the average age range of... Uh, oh, I mean, there's people that are, like, as, you know, young as 17 and as old as, like, you know, 50-something. So okay. there's a good amount Everything of... Everything is there. Yeah. Um, for the all most sorts part. of age range. Yeah, there. yeah. Good. All right, let's then... Um, See, with this, Plague's Pigeon is saying that a lot of marriage services, there's some aspect about it. Um, there's an aspect about it that is not uh, wholesome. And that's the scrolling through pictures thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that, at that point, like, you're, you're promoting people to actually lo not lower their gaze. Right. But with this, someone's telling you that we looked at your profile and this person matches you. Yeah. Right. So there's no this shopping through people, right. which is totally taking you away from marriage into just passions, temptations and desires and looking. Yeah. So I think that this technique is the most uh, wholesome and halal that it's ever going to be. Yeah. Right? I think it depends on intention, too. A lot of yeah. people that are on apps don't have the the intention of wanting to marry right away. Yeah. So we would hope also that on whoever's filling out the mod, the form is actually ready to yeah. get married. The, the the people on those apps, it's their intention is one thing, and then even if they come with their good intention, you got all these guys and girls, your intention will change yeah. just by scrolling through and looking through. Okay. Um, let's take a look here. It says here that eHarmony is another app. They're talking about all these different apps. Yep. Um, and they, did, they have a Muslim section. Oh, nice. Right, so I guess it's a non-Islamic uh, website that has a Muslim section. And now some people are talking about where they're from, right? Mm -hmm. So now, here's another question. Now that you got an online audience, I guess they're going to write where they, there's a section where they're, where they're at and where they want to live as, mm -hmm. married, as a married couple. I think that's important because someone may say they're from Calgary or they're from London, right? But... Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're limited to those places. Mm -hmm. So are you going to now put a section where, which asks, like, where are you willing to live? Yeah, we have a section on the form that's asking if you're willing to, like, relocate or Okay, not. to relocate. Yeah. That's good because I'm sure that some of these people from England, um, they might actually end up meeting by Zoom first because right. they're out of England um, and people are out of America. So here you have Canadians, okay, Shima M from Canada. All right. All right. Ryan, what do you have on Instagram? Because I, I can't see this. How do they get in contact with the team? What's the email address besides the website? Is there an email address? Yeah, it's mawadda at nbic.org. All right. Mawadda at nbic.org. That's the website you want to go to. All right. How about Facebook? Okay. Do you recommend people... Uh, putting their actual names. What if you get an application with a pseudonym? What would you do? Um, yeah, I mean, that's happened before, too. I think people 
that put like, I don't know, their middle name or something like that, mm-hmm. which is fine if you want it for privacy reasons. So, um, but I guess, you well, know, after they get connected, I'm, I would hope that they would share yeah. their real name. Or because <laughs> once you get connected, you have to really share your ID, right? Yeah. And do you require an ID? Like because there could be a complete catfishing operation. Yeah, I mean, we've had an experience before <laughs> where we had to add, like, something about, um, you know, like a criminal background, let's say. So, um, yeah. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, so. I, that guy did more publicity for Mawadza than probably this number two <laughs> after this. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I guess. That's really, because that's a really important thing, that uh, that criminal background check, medical background check. Yeah. You, 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 because think about this from an aspect of not liability, you're not liable for anything, but just the perception of it. A guy lies on these things and he's got like five STDs mm-hmm. and he lied about it he, or he just didn't disclose it. Then he's dealing with that sister. So those sisters also have to be savvy about, you know, what to ask about because mm-hmm. some people really are naive. Yeah. They're really naive. They don't realize that in anything where you're at risk, the person in front of you is guilty until proven innocent, not the other way around. The Prophet Sallallahu said, uh, guard yourselves with su'adhan. So when I have an interest and I'm vulnerable, I'm opening up a vulnerability for myself. Then you're all guilty until proven innocent. Like what? Someone applying for a job, to be a roommate, to be your husband or wife. So as a, a suggestion, there may be a, a nice guide, right, that you could send with the email to the person that if you're going to go about this and to talk to this person, you really need to ask these mm-hmm. situations. Because you don't ask people if you've committed sins. You're not allowed to ask that. But if you have an STD, then you can transmit that to me. Yeah. That I have the 100% right to ask you and to yeah. see proof. Not just to ask, to see proof of your medical report. And the first time I saw this was in, in New Haven, Connecticut, when yeah. 75% of the masjid population were the population that came out of a jail, right? And Dr. Jimmy Jones, may Allah bless him, he, when he would do marriages, I came up to him and said, oh, these two people want to get married. He's mm-hmm. like, whoa, we're going to just marry people like this? You, this is not the people from the Islamic, the Muslim families who you know for, 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 for 10 years. Mm-hmm. These are all people who I know their backgrounds. We have to have a full medical report your ID to know that this is not a doctored report, right? And we need to know your 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 status so that if you're on probation, right. she has to know that. And thir- and fourthly, your um, I'm telling you, this is some people really get messed up on this. Your credit re- rating, because through a credit rating, the if his credit rating is bad, and he could be a son of nice people, but he's got a terrible credit rating. And as a result of that, she has to rent the apartment in her name. Yeah. And that's a big problem, yeah. right? Because he's like deficient. You're supposed to be the caretaker. So if your credit report, right, is, is down, is bad, that affects her. So you're allowed, to, not only you're allowed, you're obligated. The, the wali, the wali of a woman is obligated to ask all these questions because that could harm his daughter. And right now, before the marriage, what are you? You're the qawwam here. That means you have to protect her. You have to guard her, right, from ever getting involved with a, with another person. She's going to now go in the protection of that guy. Does that guy have 
any of these issues. And I'm telling you, a lot of people, they think marriage is like husnadhan, have a good opinion, blah, blah, blah. You don't have a good opinion of someone who you open your vulnerabilities to. Right. So I think that's something really important. Uh, I think like we ask like more like the baseline questions. Like I don't know if I would add like what's your credit score. I think that you don't have to add that. I think you should. It'll be complicated if you add that. Yeah. But when you send this anything to men or women, both Mm -hmm. sides, like uh, you should tell them you need to ask these things. Yeah, that's actually why we were thinking about having whether it be like a like an online stream like this or an in person. Um, event where you or you know anyone else in the community who's learned it and no- has knowledge to kind of explain how you know courtship can go and yeah, like what type of questions so to important. ask like you're saying and how to go about it um, I feel like us and I don't have the knowledge to like do that or include that in the form so it would be really beneficial for I you know people in the community to have you know a session like this to learn from. 100% I have an idea so why don't we do it that we can have a Moedda online session Right, where you email all the Muadda people. Mm-hmm. We talk about this. We talk about this. We, it's then recorded. We take questions and answers. Mm-hmm. It's then recorded, and you could link the video. Yeah, that's right? a really great And that idea. would be like the official like piece of advice. Right? Piece of advice for people that uh, when you go into this, this is the right way to do things, and also this is the wrong way to do things. Right. And I'm telling you, a lot of people, they... They, maybe they just don't know better. They just totally get sucked into the romance element of things, right? And then there's there's actually no objective um, action going on here. That's okay. It happens. I'm, I'm used to it. This is nothing. <laughs> the, the actually, we laugh. My uh, Jenna and I were at an airport the other that's past summer, and there was a family that was... The couple, so stressed out. This husband and wife, they're like pulling their hair out. We look at what's the cause. They had one kid, right? <laughs> what are you stressed out about? You got one kid. It's not stress. Just wait until you got other issues. So um, it's so important that people not get caught up on the romantic side of things. And that's the purpose of sometimes that third party or that wali that asks the objective questions. And I'm telling you, here's another thing. Uh, Khala White says, can we as parents watch this live stream? Yeah, I think it should be public, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, we'll advertise it to the Muadda people, right? Yeah. And then we'll have it. It'll uh, be here. They could just log into their YouTube or their Instagram or whatever right. and ask the questions on YouTube. Right. Um, or we can have an anonymous um, uh, form mm-hmm. that they could send out questions. And then that'll be part of Muadda's um, official. Yeah. And why don't we do that, I guess... Uh, I don't know about the timing, but why don't we do that during when I'm here ready for a stream? Sure. So yeah. it'll double up. That way we don't have to come in a second time. Yeah. Um, and then it would also be even great if you could suggest resources for people who are in the oh, process reading. of talking. Yeah. yeah. So whether it be, you know, you know, good things that they can read or even people in the community that they can talk to. I feel like Hassan and I took premarital counseling and even mm-hmm. though we knew each other really well, it was still something that was um, beneficial for us. Yeah. Um, so even if there's people in the community that you would suggest. Um, I would, I, w- I need to, I want to rename it coaching, <laughs> right? Sure. Like counseling is like something's wrong with me. Yeah. We have yeah. a problem. The framing of it, right, is that we're on a cliff and we're about to fall off a cliff. But it should be called marriage coaching, right? Because to be well coached, to be well coached is something that um, 
it's praiseworthy. Right. Like we're coached. We know what we're doing. So it should be rebranded as marriage coaching. Right. Because if there's marriage coaching, anyone would show up to that. Problems or no problems. But once you call it counseling, you're any guy with any sense of pride, I'm not going to this nonsense. <laughs> right. Unless it's a threat of divorce. That's it. I'm not getting counseled by anybody. That's what that's what anyone with pride is going to say that. So can you come up with a list of questions sure. that you want addressed for Moedda? Um, we'll put up the graphics. So it'll be a Moedda branded video. And then it will be something that we can take all these Q&A. We'll do it, uh, let's say, maybe next Thursday or something. Sure. Give me time to look at the questions and think. And then we'll come up with uh, reading. If you have reading, could you also in that email send me the uh, cutout screenshot of the books that you recommend people read. And then we can put them up one at a time. Yeah. And we could put the Zoom, uh, the Amazon links on these books. If there are any online playlists, we'll come up with that. Right. And that'll be a great resource because it's amazing how people uh, can be very old and very seasoned in many things. They know how to make money. They know how to work. They know how to climb the career ladder. But personally, it's a train wreck, Right. And it's just something that, right, uh, it, it's something that, uh, it's unique. People just, uh, all right, uh, Akumezi is saying that our camera quality is bleached today, right? Is that what's going on with that? Is that me or is that? Uh, too sensitive. Too sensitive. Akumezi, you just got called too sensitive. <laughs> Maybe it's this light, but this no, light it's is, a setting, it's a camera setting. Okay, we'll fix that later. Um, all right, so premarital marriage coaching is what people got to take. All right, I think we've covered everything. What else do we got here? Anything else? All right, so that's it for today. Some people are saying are saying that they want you to put in personality tests, which is pretty funny, I guess, <laughs> like the... What is it, Briggs Meyer? Yeah. yeah, that and if you are a ATGP or a FING, whatever. Um, I don't know. I think just just to clarify. Yeah. We're we're just here to connect people on a surface. Like we're gonna look at their surface level information. Yeah. We're gonna see if we think it's suitable, right? And then you're gonna have the conversation from there, right? You're gonna do more. Yeah. Yeah. The whole point of even okay, we we don't have to call it premarital counseling, but yeah. what do people do in premarital counseling? There was a Big conversation that's still ongoing in our community, at least in Central Jersey, between NBIC, ICJ, MCGP, all the masajid around the area, that they wanted to have this thing where the shuyukh are not going to do marriages until someone does premarital counseling with someone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, But the idea is, what do you go through in those sessions? You go through what does privacy mean in marriage? You go through mm-hmm. what does intimacy mean in marriage? You this go through... Fit. You go through There's what rules. are yeah, and you go through what are financial responsibilities in mm-hmm. marriage. Like these are all conversations yep. that people should be having, but don't think to have all the time. Yep. Um, the idea I remember when when we did it with with uh, uh, Chaplain Kaser was, you know, you're going to set the standard right now of how you deal with conflict oh. and how you deal with certain issues. Right now, when it's all good, yeah. Because then, when times get bad, you want to have some framework to mm-hmm. lean on. You're not going to create it then and there, right? Who should get involved in your problems and Who's why? your referee? Yeah, and, and at what time do you even need a referee, right? Yeah. Most of the time, problems should be resolved between you two, right? True. Who should know about your problems? Things like that. Yeah. 
Um, it's important. I think. I think that's totally important. Yeah. In any two businesses that come together and they have a deal, they always put a clause of what happens if things go sour. And it's just like they're mature enough to realize that it's silly to say, oh, I don't even want to talk about that. It's just silly. You got to talk about that. But let me say something else, too. I view marriage as three phases. All right. Sorry, four phases. Immediate attraction. Immediately, like, just within. That's just the basic ballpark, right? No, like, immediate, like, but not not marriage. Getting to it, getting married, right? Immediate attraction, like. You see, I'm saying, for example, age is the same, look is similar, right? Like, so someone could have a lot of politics and religion and geography and social class and ethnicity the same, but if there's 15 years apart, right, it's dead on, uh, on arrival. So immediate attraction is simply to say, would I ever even consider this person, right? So it's the broadest range. Would I ever even, it's a snapshot. The second phase is vision of life. Do we share a vision of life? And that is, what are the three or four things that are absolutely non-negotiable, right? Like, for example, we follow Ahl Sunnah. That's a non-negotiable, right? Um, we live in the United States. We plan to live in the United States. Or something like um, these things that are non-negotiable. And that should also not take too long. After that is the mission. I'm, I'm doing it like a business plan, right? Mission statement, v- vision statement, mission statement. Mission statement is how do we want to execute this, right? If we say that we want our kids to be raised as Muslim, well, how? In a private school, in, an, in a homeschooling, like how? Now, what, what I see, and then, and then the third thing, the fourth thing, sorry, is the details, okay? Which is now we're going to get engaged where are we going to live? What apartment are we going to live in? These are the absolute details. So I look at it as attraction, vision statement, mission statement, and then the details. Execution. That's all pre-marriage. Right? That's all pre-marriage, right? So execution stage happens during engagement. If you have attraction and your vision of life is, and religion is the same, and you, the mission statement is how to execute the vision, which can be negotiated. Right? We can negotiate that. We can discuss that. Then we come to an agreement on those things. Then you get engaged. And then you fulfill the, the, the details. So what I see that mawadda is, is the first two phases. That immediate attraction and, and the vision of life is identical. Like you guys, your non-negotiables are all the same. Yeah. Right? Now, when we introduce you to each other, you guys got to take over the mission statement after that. Like, how are you planning to execute that? Okay, and there's a million different ways, and that's all up to negotiation, right? And then engagement is also something people think is haram, but it's not. It's extremely important. Because engagement is where you start seeing the person's family, extended family. What if you realize the guy's related to Jeffrey Dahmer, right? You got to pull out, right? What if you realize that the guy's got, he's like bipolar, like he's such a sunny and happy guy. Yeah, but every five months, he just dips for three weeks. I don't want to get involved in this, right? So to me, engagement is a continued formal visits over and over and over and over where more layers of the onion are peeled from this person and this family. 
But of course, you, we have nothing to do with engagement, like your your operation. Yeah, right. That that's up to them yeah. and their parents and all that. Yeah. So you guys are uh, uh, immediate attraction and then vision of life. All what are the non-negotiables? Things you will never, ever, ever marry a person who has any of these attributes, or marry a person that will ask you to let go of these attributes, right? And most of that, it's got to be on like one hand. You can't have fifty thousand. You can't have twenty-five non-negotiables. Right, yeah. a non-negotiable is something that it's divorce would happen. Like, imagine you were married. If a non-negotiable is broken, you divorce on the spot. Yeah. Right. So like that. So, and then mission is where most people, uh, the negotiation happens. All right, folks. Uh, we are complete. We are done with this. We've covered everything. We don't have any questions. Facebook. Um, let's see on Facebook if there are any questions. The now so-called the Meta Business Suite with their uh, logo here. Not to be honest with you, not exactly the most impressive logo in the whole world, but whatever. Oh, what's that Meta? You know they're okay. Right. Anything from Facebook? Facebook, I no access. No access yet. Okay. Yeah, they just redid their app, and I had to redo it, and I can't get in. And also, for some reason, our... What is up? Hey, aren't you IT? Me? Yeah? Uh, ish. Are IT. you IT? Business. Or business? You're business both business. IT, yeah. Okay, business IT. This phone is not letting me in on this Wi-Fi. Every other Wi-Fi, it works, but not this one. Same with your laptop. Is there it's a annoying as heck. How much stuff is connected to the Wi-Fi already? One, two, three. And that's by Ethernet cable. Oh. Uh, then it shouldn't be a bandwidth yeah. issue. All right. So, um, inshallah, you're going to send me a file. What is it that you want to be said about how to go about the second phase or the third phase of your personal discussions with each other and anything else and any books and links that you guys want to include? And this will be, inshallah, something you send out to... Um, you're going to send this all out, inshallah, to your Moedda people. And they could, and they're probably going to be at work, but they could log in to YouTube at that hour. And they will. They could ask their questions at that hour. And if not, they can ask follow-up questions, which we'll answer later on. And then we could strip that video, put it onto the MBIC YouTube, and that'll be a Moedda video that's on the MBIC YouTube channel that you could link up to every Anyone who you, who you send, like, a marriage thing to, all right, watch this video so you can know what rights you have Actually, and one last thing. yes mm. that's good uh geographic limitation or no Copy that. So the answer is, um, I mean, the, the, the request was, what she said was, if you are a community leader where you are, they're looking to partner up. Mawadda is looking to partner up to increase the pool. Because as we said, people, I think, are willing to move for marriage or to relocate. Right? So if you are willing to partner up, uh, at, if you're a community leader, right? 
then you need the, you, you can contact Mawadda and they'll they'll make some kind of arrangements with you and they'll talk and we'll make things happen. Uh, what constitutes being ready for marriage, man and woman? Well, we'll discuss that in the video too because we'll give you a concrete answer. It's pretty simple. Um, readiness for marriage has a objective answer and a subjective one which has a, a gradient. There is the simple matter that you can, as a man, physically and financially care for somebody, right? That's objective. I could tell you right now off the bat by looking at your bank statements, right? It, and your income statements. If you're, phys if you're financially and physically. Now, physically, I could look at your health, right? If you're able to protect somebody. If you're able to uh, live, with, uh, live with somebody and be intimate with them. What is subjective and requires maybe some coaching and maybe some references is your your emotional maturity. And the biggest thing for this is selfishness. If you're somebody who grew up all alone and mama makes you breakfast every day and lunch and she mops up after you and she cleans after you, some of these Arab moms, the way they dote over their son like he's some prince and they're a bunch of bums, right? It's not just Arab moms. Did Dacian do it too? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the kid is an absolute uh, useless, okay? And yet the mom treats him like the king, uh, prince of Persia and Aladdin. So uh, that person is not ready. That person is going to be selfish, right? Selfishness kills marriages. That's how simple it is. You don't know how to share. You don't know how to do anything. The fool, who I always thought was one of the biggest celebrities in America who had his head screwed on right, Tom Brady, who's like never drunk driving. He's never like on drugs. He never done anything stupid. And he turns out he's such a football addict, he's about to lose his marriage because of this. Because he unretired himself after agreeing to retiring, right? But he's so addicted. And I was like, what's going on with this guy? I thought he had his head screwed on right. It's all about selfishness, right? And gen selfishness and sharing. I, I knew he was off when he... When we when he unretired? No, when he, when he kissed his kids on the lips. Oh. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> I cannot believe this guy is trading in a, a, a one season where, by the way, you're all injured. You're probably going to have a losing season, right? Unless he just digs down and disproves everybody, but he's going to have a losing season, right? And you're going to trade away your kid's emotional stability, your whole life. Divorce is one of the worst things in the world. Most of them are not Muslim. Who cares? Dr. But, Shady, yes. I have to say, Walid is listening, and he said he didn't. It hit him hard when he said Prince of Persia. Oh, yes. <laughs> the people getting... By the way, Waleed is the official Prince of Persia with a capital P and a capital... Uh, two capital Ps. And Waleed, now that he brought himself up, he truly is Prince of Persia. You think that he came out of a movie of Narnia or something where he's Prince of Persia, and he's out there working... Um, well, I'm not going to say more details, but he's out west, northwest. He's here now, though. Oh, he's here for visiting only? For a visit only. But he's not moving back, right? Okay, he's here for a visit. He's a very eligible bachelor. Okay? He, this guy, mashallah, he's got a great job out um, northwest United States, and he's going to try to come back uh, to New Jersey. But he's a very eligible bachelor. He's half per He's originally Persian, but Pakistani also mixed into his, his cultural heritage. So the Desiyin can can apply. Right. How old is Prince of Persia? He was like 22, right? Is he open to marry non-Arabs? Sure, sure he is. I mean, non-Dacian? I'm sure he is, right? Um, what else? 
I think Prince of Persia, you know, I'm going to fill out an application for him, right? <laughs> Prince of Persia. So, all right, folks, thank you all very much. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless uh, everyone uh, on this blessed day of Thursday, in which Thursday night, make sure that you set your alarms for tahajjud. And bring your affairs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this is the night in which it's going to be the dua of tahajjud is always answered on a Thursday night. So set your alarms. If you're in the tri-state area, come through tomorrow at MBIC. Uh, we're going to have our big annual Mawlid al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sheikh Yahya Rodis will be there. Uh, Sheikh Omar Popal is bringing about 17 people from Virginia. So there's a big crew coming from Virginia. And then we're probably going to have Sheikh Amin coming up from Atlantic City and many, many other uh, people be coming. So it's going to be, a, it's always one of the greatest nights at MBSC. The Ramadan Khatam and the Mawlid and Nabi is two of my favorite nights. So come through for that. And if you, even if you need a place to crash, you could stay here. Uh, in the first floor, we're going to have, we have cots for all the people who want to sleep here and we'll take care of you. We got bath, we got a bathroom and a shower. And we got some food and tea and coffee and everything that you guys can can crash the night after Al-Mawlid Al-Nabawi Al-Sharif that we do every year here at MBSC. Jazakum Allah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Oh